Well, good morning, everyone. It's Matt here. Uh, welcome back to another week of our series where we're stepping through and thinking about this letter called uh, Philippians. Uh, now, I know lots of you know that Annika and I have a young daughter, uh, Lucy. She's just gone 14 months. And lately, uh, she's really been getting into imitating me and Annika, uh, copying what we do. So, for, for example, we had the young adults around on Monday for a campfire in our backyard. Uh, before they came over, I went and swept out our veranda. Uh, and as soon as I started doing that, Lucy came out and grabbed another broom and wanted to copy what I was doing. There we go. Of course, imitating is something we do as adults too. Uh, in the past couple of weeks, there's been a lot of content put out by church leaders around Australia, helping churches to think about how to be uh, effective in these times. And Cameron and I and others have been watching bits of it to try and glean any wisdom that we can use to help us be effective here at Trinity Church Brighton. Uh, and one thing we've noticed is this little turn of phrase that everyone uses. Uh, when someone wants to say, uh, here's something you should spend time on, or uh, we've been thinking about this, what everyone's actually saying is, We've been thinking into this. Well, you should invest into this space. You know, maybe it's a lingo you've heard around your workplace a bit too. It's kind of this stupid little jargon. I mean, what are you talking about? Thinking into something. Uh, but the thing is that both Cameron and I have caught ourselves talking the same way. You know, we should make, make sure we do some thinking into youth group or, or maybe we should think into the ministry space a little bit more. Uh, but the point is we all pick up things that others do. We imitate. We're shaped by those around us. Now, imitation, of course, isn't necessarily bad. I, I, for one, can point to a number of people who went before me as Christians, people who mentored me, people who I imitated. Uh, and in many ways, there's nothing more significant in terms of growing to maturity as a Christian. Uh, now, in the book of Philippians so far, Paul's been talking about big concepts, uh, what, it, what it means for the Philippians to be citizens of heaven, how they should strive together for the gospel, how they should be humble in their interactions with each other, how they should stand out from those around them. And in today's passage, it seems like we've come to a bit of a change. Paul's given us this big section on how to live as one of Jesus' people, and now he switches to talk about two people, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And at first glance, you might think Paul's changing the subject, but what I want to show you today is that Paul actually very skillfully takes everything he's been talking about, all that out there stuff, and he grounds it, and he makes it concrete, and he says... Look at these two people. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. Imitate them. Julie's going to read the passage for us now. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a wonderful morning. Uh, we're just going to look into the Word of God, and we're looking at chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2. Um, verses 19 to 30. But uh, just before we read the passage, let's pray. Dear Lord, we come to you this morning knowing that you have prepared our hearts to receive these words from your servant Paul. Help us to be attentive to the message they hold for us here today. May we go out from this time of worship as eager to serve you as Timothy and Paul. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So, uh, Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, 
that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honour men like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Julian. Uh, so what I want us to do, we've got uh, these two characters, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Uh, let's think about them both, uh, both of those two in turn. And then to finish, I want us to come back and think about uh, actually why is it worth trying to imitate these two people. So first, uh, always a few things to say about Timothy. Uh, you've probably heard of Timothy before. Timothy has two books of the Bible named after him because they're the letters that are sent from Paul to Timothy. Uh, but Timothy also co-authors a number of the books of the New Testament, including yeah, Philippians, the book we're reading, but also uh, 2 Corinthians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, uh, Philemon. Uh, so Timothy would be quite well known among these ancient churches. He was really Paul's special apprentice or padawan or trainee. Or Here Paul describes him in a much uh, even more loving terms. He's like a son. It's Paul being his father. He's really been trained up to be like Paul. He's been imitating Paul and hopes to become like Paul. A gospel worker, a church leader. So, why does Paul bring up Timothy? Well, well let's look at the start of our passage from verse 19. Uh, here Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. So, partly what's going on here is just logistical. Paul's saying, um, I hope to send Timothy to you soon. I can't send him now, but I hopefully can send him soon. He wants Timothy to go and collect news for him. Although, interestingly, Paul probably could have got news from the Philippians from lots of other sources, such as uh, Epaphroditus, who we'll talk about in a minute. But I suspect Paul probably wants a bit more than just simple news. I think he wants Timothy to go because uh, he really trusts Timothy and he wants Timothy to tell Paul how they're, how they're really going. Not, not just, you know, yes, they're all fit and healthy, but actually uh, how, they, how they really, how's their faith? How's their unity? Are they growing in Christ-likeness? That sort of stuff. Anyway, so Paul's going to send Timothy to them soon, but he doesn't just bring this up as a logistical way. He also holds up Timothy as an example. Uh, Let's keep reading. I hope to send him to you soon. And then verse 20, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. 
Now, if this sounds familiar, that's probably because remember what Paul said earlier in the chapter when he was talking about uh, what it meant for the Philippians to be citizens of heaven. Uh, in fact, it was our memory verse, wasn't it? Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Not bad, hey. Actually, it's just there on my teleprompter. But I don't think it's a coincidence that Paul's been talking about the importance of looking to the interests of others. And then now up pops Timothy, who's a great example of looking to the interests of others, or, or actually looks to the interests of Jesus, doesn't he? No, no, Paul uses this example quite deliberately, because of all the stuff he's been talking about, it's not just academic, pie-in-the-sky sort of stuff. He wants the Philippians, and us by extension, to look to Timothy and to imitate his attitude. Because here is someone who prioritises Jesus and the gospel. Here is someone we can look to as an example of what Paul's been talking about. And now, now let me give you two quick reflections on Timothy before we think about Epaphroditus. Uh, number one, this is quite a high calling we're talking about. To put the interests of Jesus first. I don't know about you, but in my spare time, if I'm looking around and I see a great house, I think maybe I could live somewhere like that one day. Or I see a great product and I think about buying it, or I see an ad set on a tropical island, and I think, oh, man, I just can't wait to go on holidays again. Uh, Timothy looks around. He looks to the interests of Jesus. I read one commentator this week who talks about it's almost like Timothy's wearing gospel glasses, uh, because when he looks around, it's, it's almost like he sees things differently. He sees things from the perspective of the gospel, and he sees what's most important. He sees what makes a difference for Jesus and his people. Uh, so that's one reflection. Second reflection, uh, Paul tells the Philippians to imitate Timothy. Now, we can't really imitate Timothy, can we? I mean, um, we can look through the Bible, and sure, Timothy comes up a few times, and I'm sure scholarly types uh, spend a lot of time drawing up pictures of uh, the true life of Timothy and what his life was really like, but really we don't actually know all that much about him. We certainly can't watch him closely so we can imitate his life. But I'll tell you what, we might not be able to imitate Timothy, but Paul certainly thinks that finding good people to imitate is a good thing. I mean, he had Timothy imitate himself, and then he had others imitate Timothy. So here's what I think we can do. We can find people in our community who are like Timothy, people who put Jesus first, people who put Jesus' people first, and we can and we can imitate them. We can Find our own Paul, someone we can look like, look to to learn what it is to put Jesus first. And what's more, you might also be the Paul to someone else's Timothy, if that makes sense. I mean, so for parents, you know, it's pretty obvious that our kids like to imitate us, so we need to show our kids what it looks like to put Jesus first. Uh, but it would be great more broadly if uh, more mature people around our congregation could be good examples for those who are younger and need more help. Actually, I think it's a great shame, actually, that these days Australians don't tend to do very well at mixing across generations. Adults, uh, for some reason, seem to be scared of teenagers. Um, adults are just as scared of you are as you are of them. Uh, younger people often don't have a lot of respect for older people. Uh, those around us are an amazing resource. There's an amazing collection of people to imitate and to encourage those. So let's make the most of that. Of course, uh, this is another one of those things that's much harder at the moment with COVID because we're not seeing each other as much. 
something else to appreciate afresh once we're back meeting in person, I guess. Uh, so that's Timothy. I think in some ways Timothy is a pretty tough example to give people to imitate. I mean, uh, we're talking about someone who's almost famous, you know, the apprentice of Paul himself would go on to have books of the Bible named after him, church leader, church pastor. Uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of the Philippians might well balk at the idea of trying to imitate Timothy. Uh, but I think that's why what Paul does next is very clever because he gives us a second example. You know, the idea of imitating Timothy was a bit intimidating. Well, here's someone else, Epaphroditus. Because Epaphroditus to the Philippians, well, he was one of their own. And this guy they knew, and what's more, he's a he's a career. I mean, he's no church leader. This is a normal, likable, down-to-earth kind of guy. Puts on high vis in the morning, uh, drives a van, drinks farmers' union iced coffee. Uh, and yet, Paul says this is just as much someone you should imitate. Uh, let's take a look at what Paul says about him. But once again, we uh, we do start with the logistics. So let's um, let's look at verse twenty-five. Here Paul says, but I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you send to take care of my needs. Uh, so here's the logistics. I'm sending Epaphroditus back to you now. And in fact, Paul probably actually wrote this letter because he was sending Epaphroditus back and thought it would be a good idea to send a, a letter with him. Uh, but there's a bit more to the story here too. Verse 26 uh, for he longs for all of you and is distressed because he heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Uh, therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him, so that you, when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So uh, what's what's happened is, uh, you know, we need to fill in some of the blanks, but it seems like Epaphroditus was coming to help Paul, and on the way maybe he got sick, and, and rather than abandon Paul, he pushed on. Uh, he obviously had important supplies for Paul and was on a really important kind of mission almost, and thankfully for Epaphroditus and for Paul too, because Paul would have been very upset if Epaphroditus had died uh, on his way to visit him. Uh, fair enough too. Thankfully for both of them, Epaphroditus recovers and he's okay. Uh, and, and Paul wants to send him home so his friends and family can see that he's okay. So again, this, this is about logistics, but it's also another great example. Uh, look what Paul says in verse 29. He says, uh, Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. Another great example of looking to the interests of Jesus and his people rather than the self-interest. In fact, what did it say back in verse 26? Even when he was sick, Epaphroditus was distressed, and not because he was sick, but because his friends and family back home uh, had heard he was sick, and so uh, he was worried that they would be distressed because he didn't want them to worry. Uh, talk about looking to the interests of others. I mean, the guy's almost dying, and yet I know a lot of great Christian saints that when they're seriously unwell, this is their attitude too. They, they think of others still, and they don't want others to be distressed. Now, this is, this is no Timothy, this is no Paul, this is just a normal guy who, in a difficult situation, made the choice to put Jesus and his people first. And I don't think, by the way, that Paul's even saying that it's a good thing to try and work so hard for Jesus that you become unhealthy, burnt out, almost die like Epaphroditus. I mean, I take it Epaphroditus was in a pretty unique situation where he really had this choice between um, failing his mission to Paul and, and risking his life. And, 
I don't think this is Paul saying, you know, you have to serve on every roster at church to the point where you're totally stressed out and unhealthy. I remember he's been talking about working together, being organized like Roman soldiers or or like a, a sports team. Christianity, it's a team sport, we've been saying. And uh, that means as a team, we look after each other and care for each other and carry each other's burdens. But uh, he is saying perhaps that there are times where we need to put the team first and, and that may cost the individual, certainly. Uh, when our church at Trinity Church Brighton is back, it'll be good to think about uh, finding a place where you can serve in a way that benefits the team, the church, the whole. Uh, now, the other thing Paul says about Epaphroditus is to honour people like this. Remember, he's sending Epaphroditus home to be with his family. Maybe he's worried that uh, they'll think he failed or something like that. Um, but Epaphroditus has made a choice to put Jesus first. Uh, it's good for us to imitate his attitude, and it's good for us uh, to honour those who are an example of putting Jesus first. Uh, so there we are, two examples of making sacrifices for Jesus and his people, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Uh, before we finish, I just want to take some time to come at this from a different angle just for a couple of minutes, uh, because I want to ask the, the why question. It's, it's all well and good to see Timothy and Epaphroditus, but why would you make sacrifices for Jesus and his people? Why would you put Jesus and his people first? And I, I was to ask that question because really an example on its own is never enough. But even Jesus, as Cameron spoke about a couple of weeks ago, even his example on its own is really just crippling because we can never match up to that. Uh, but, but why? Why would you want to make sacrifices for Jesus and his people? Well, I think the key to answering that question is to think about what we're sacrificing for. There's an interesting little quirk in our passage today. You might have picked it up. It's back in the section about Timothy. Yeah, it's where Paul says everyone looks out to their own interests, not the interests of uh, dot, dot, dot. And you, you kind of expect Paul to finish that sentence by talking about the interests of others. I mean, that's what our memory verse said a few paragraphs earlier. Don't look to your own interests, look to the interests of others. And that would be the logical way to finish that statement right too. But but no, what, what does Paul say? Timothy doesn't look to his own interests he looks to the interests of Jesus. So why does he say Jesus rather than others? I really think Paul can actually say that because Jesus and the people of Jesus, well, they're so closely intertwined that they're basically the same thing. So to look to the interests of Jesus is to look to the interests of Jesus' people. And to make sacrifices for Jesus' people is to make sacrifices for Jesus. So, so what does this make a difference? Well, I think two reasons. Firstly, making a sacrifice for Jesus also means we're making sacrifices for his people. And we're included in this. Remember, if we belong to Jesus, we're citizens. Citizens of heaven. We're on Jesus' team. We're part of Jesus' country. This isn't about making sacrifices for some random thing that you've got nothing to do with. Uh, with having a bit more time at home lately, I've been watching a few TV shows. Uh, one TV show that I've got around to watching that I always wanted to go and watch is uh, Band of Brothers. Now, this amazing retelling of a group of American soldiers fighting in Europe in World War II. You know, the sacrifices those soldiers made were amazing. And it's, it's an extreme example, but I want to say that making sacrifices for Jesus, it's more like that because you're making sacrifices for your people, for the people that you're a part of. Uh, so that's the first thing. Second, second reason this makes a difference 
If Jesus and his people are so intertwined, it reminds us that our destiny is the same as his. And Paul will talk about uh, this in a couple of paragraphs' time. He will say that he wants to gain Christ and be found in Christ. And it's almost because Jesus' people, really, they're part of Jesus. They're part of him. And if we want to know where we're going to end up, well, all we have to do is look to Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Well, we read this a couple of weeks ago. He humbled himself, sacrificed himself, even to death. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. He's alive today. He's the name above every name. So this is what the Christian belief is when we make sacrifices now. Those sacrifices are only temporary. We're sacrificing for Jesus and his people. And Jesus and his people will be raised up, exalted to the highest place, living forever with Jesus. And so when we make sacrifices now, yeah, we might sacrifice a few temporary things, but we're doing it because we know we're looking to someone, uh, something that will last forever. What was it Jesus said? No one who has left home or mothers or brothers or sisters or fathers or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much. And, and so I think when we think about making sacrifices for Jesus and his people, uh, that actually if we remember that, we're looking to be part of Jesus and his people, the people that will last for eternity, then those sacrifices now, they're worth it. We don't have to live for every little temporary thing now. We're living for his kingdom that will last forever. I was saying today that Timothy got that, and so he looked past his own interest and he set his eyes on Jesus, shaped his priorities around Jesus and his people. I've seen that Epaphroditus got that, and so when he had a difficult choice between looking after himself or completing an important mission for the gospel, he chose to put Jesus and his people first. Two great people to imitate, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Uh, Let me pray that we would look to their example. Dear Father God, we thank you for another great section in there. Uh, in this book of Philippians, thank you that these two examples have taken uh, some of what we've been thinking about and uh, grounded it in real life. Uh, thank you for these examples. Thank you uh, that you put us in community and you help us uh, to both find examples that we can look to and imitate, uh, but also find people who might benefit from imitating us as we grow to be more like Jesus. Uh, help us to look to him, set our eyes on him and his priorities. Give us courage to make sacrifices, knowing that as he was lifted up and lives forever, so too will Jesus' people be raised up to be with him. Amen.